You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. In the name of Allah, most gracious, ever merciful, welcome, good afternoon, assalamu alaikum, and may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all from Monday afternoon. Drive time show with myself, Kayyum, sitting in for Brother Talib, and joining me is my young Imam brother, Brother Imran Akram. Good afternoon, Salaikum, peace be on you, brother. Peace be upon you. Good afternoon, though. How are you this afternoon? Uh, I'm good, Alhamdulillah. How are you? Oh, all good. Always. I'm always good. <laughs> Had a good weekend? Yeah, good weekend. Uh, very nice weather. A little bit cold, to late, cold today. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I enjoy cold weather. What about you? You enjoy the cold weather? Yeah. Did you hear that? He <laughs> enjoys cold weather. Um, As usual, drive time mm-hmm. always comes to you with uh, interesting topics that mm-hmm. are relevant um, to our everyday life. And as usual, we will be... Uh, covering two topics from four to five we're going to be talking about homelessness mm-hmm. and from five to six we're going to be talking about prayer and worship and the purpose um, of worship in our life right if you want to if you want to contribute we would love to hear from you oh two oh eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight or you can join us on our social media platforms at voice of islam uk um Brother Imran, so what is homelessness? Uh, I think uh, homelessness is uh, um, where you don't have home, don't have shelter mm-hmm. upon um, um, on your head, and uh, you basically live like uh, <laughs> live like uh, those people who like go places to places. And uh, yeah. Okay, I'm going to correct you. Okay. You see, the reason I asked you, uh-huh. and I kind of threw you in the deep end, which is unfair, uh-huh. but your definition of, of what a homeless person is, okay. is 100% correct. Uh-huh. But homelessness is a problem that remains prominent and deserving of attention even today. The reason we say today, because in this day and age, in the fifth or sixth largest economy in the world, um, in a country like United Kingdom, they should not, or even Europe, or in the Western or the developed world, they should not be um, people who are um, are homeless. Now, homelessness um, is 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 a broad term. Um, you can define home. You can break homelessness down in, in in different categories. There are different types of homelessness. There is rough sleeping. Mm-hmm. Rough sleeping is what you said. Okay. 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 So you weren't wrong. You're correct. Rough mm-hmm. sleeping is when most people. Uh, where, you, where where people are visible to you, you can see them sleeping. Especially okay. when you go in in town, you see people sleeping in doorways on the pavements at night time. Um, you see people um, in in shop shop fronts at mm-hmm. at night time. Mm-hmm. You see them; they're visibly um, uh, homeless, and they and and they're always portrayed as dangerous and and uh, and um, uh, addictive of of certain substances when. That isn't always the tr- always true, but mm-hmm. there are people with mental health issues because of the lack of provision in this country within mental health and other areas. People or young people especially are forced to go onto the street, and they're referred to as rough sleepers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then there is uh, statutory homelessness. This is where people who 
I mean, how does one... The statutory homelessness is where the government recognises that okay. you are in need of a provision, so there is there is a legality about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then there is hidden homelessness. Hidden homelessness is that you are living, let's say you are living with your parents, you're living in a small accommodation, there's too many of you, but a lot of you are living in congested accommodation and the people ideally need to be in another accommodation to ensure that they have the correct provision. Okay. Those people would be deemed as hidden. And there's a lot mm-hmm. of there's a lot of uh, hidden homelessness. In fact, the majority of single homeless people are in fact hidden. Rough sleepers are visible, mm-hmm. but a lot of hidden. 62% of those um, who were surveyed um they, they technically speaking statutory speaking according to crisis mm-hmm. um um those surveyed were hidden homelessness now talking about crisis crisis reports that uk has around 227000 people without homes wow and the number is continuously rising on a yearly basis without a home you are deprived of not just a roof above your head the feeling of safety of emotional stability and of spirituality such as hope and purpose it becomes an issue concerning human rights, rights. having a roof over your head yeah is a human right absolutely i mean um in this especially in this country where we claim to be a fifth largest economy in the world mm-hmm. and still people are not you know have homes and they're sleeping on the streets i mean that's uh, that's shameful for our nation our, our country um and uh, as you uh, i didn't know that that there is um various kind of homelessness as uh, you mentioned that uh, short sleepers and mm-hmm. hidden homelessness and uh, obviously um i think uh, being uh, a country um uh, which is uh, very much i mean good in terms of economy we should uh, we should be uh, looking after our people well according to homeless um according to shelter which is another homeless charity London is the worst when it comes to United Kingdom or England I should say mm-hmm. in, in United Kingdom one in 53 people are now homeless in the capital oh one in one, one in 53 people okay now that you might say wow yeah but one in 53 is a huge number yeah um uh, you know it's i mean if it, you look at the, the population yeah. it's so it's a huge number yes as as uh, you know the crisis report mentions 227000 people mm-hmm. um are, are are going to be are, are looking to be homeless now not going off on a tangent we talked about how this number is going to be increasing um last year last week there was the mini budget mm-hmm. in the mini budget that uh, it it uh, it spooked the markets it spooked the banks and what's predicted is that interest rates are going to rise your typical interest rate at the moment is 2.5% it's going to go up to you know they say they're talking about 5.5 6 some people are saying 7% yeah. now most of these people a lot of a significant percentage of people in this country live uh, in private sector accommodation mm-hmm. now if a landlord who is um receiving a rent or say of 1000 pounds okay and his his mortgage is going to go up from say 500 to 700 pound mm-hmm. say it's gone up by 200 what's he going to do he's not going to he's not going to absorb that yeah. increase is he he's going to say he's going to say i'm going to pass that on to the tenant mm-hmm. so that tenant who's normally paying 1000 pound is not going to have to pay 1200 pound mm-hmm. it's gone up by 200 oh. 
in t- in today's day and age with the cost of living that 1200 person is going to say i can't afford that mm-hmm. because i also need to pay an increase in my bills mm-hmm. and also my shopping has gone up and my income has stayed the same yeah, yeah? Mm-hmm. what happens that that person will become will get rent arrears because he's not able to afford to pay the full rent then the landlord is forced to evict that tenant when that tenant gets evicted he becomes homeless there are over just there are between 10 and 11000 homeless mm. people in this country mm-hmm. now i've given you a figure of 227000 yeah yeah across the board mm-hmm. 10 to 11000 people become homeless who are in full time work okay full time work don't, people okay. don't realize mm-hmm. it is this the, 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 the i mean you can't blame the people they're working as a, you can't yeah, yeah. but th- there is this misconception people mm. have yeah. that homelessness is about people oh people who don't work yeah they're lazy or something like that yeah. exactly as i just said mm-hmm. give, i gave you just figures 10 i think it's 10526 mm-hmm. don't quote me on it but <laughs> that is uh, you know that's a rough figure where where you know that that these people are in full time mm-hmm. occupation so it's not like oh they're lazy or they don't want to pay their bills or they they just cannot afford to to pay rent or to um to to pay their bills or to support their children or to um to, to pay the energy bills yeah. likewise people who are who who own homes mm-hmm. are going to be in a position I mean one hopes and prays that yeah. they don't get into a position where they will they will lose their homes but if they cannot afford to pay their mortgages mm-hmm. which is what the worry at the moment yeah. with most commentators are saying mm-hmm. with the new situation with interest rate rises people will not be able to afford to pay their mortgages yeah they will either have to sell mm-hmm. or they will fall and if they can't sell they will fall in arrears with their mortgage payments which means the properties will be repossessed and what will happen those people would end up being on the homeless, homeless list. Yeah. So the term homelessness mm-hmm. is it's it's so huge. It's got it's got the 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 horizons that it covers are very broad. So it would be you know hence why this is even the 227,000 people it it there's, there's more than that. Some some surveys suggest it's is 50,000 more. But it is a lot of people. Um, who are um uh, you know who are affected because of what happened with the covid um, covid uh, 19 pandemic um as we mentioned because of the cost of living crisis this year what it's done is it's it's now on top of the figures that we are talking about the 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 number of people is going to be increasing on a daily basis now this is a topic that greatly concerns muslims mhm Now I I understand uh, um um you know that that we talked about homelessness as a right. Yeah. The Holy Quran specifically has a verse mm-hmm. in it doesn't mm-hmm. it, that that could relate to this this topic. Yeah. So basically um uh, the most well-known solution to homelessness is through charity uh which is something um that uh, anyone can participate in and uh, is especially encouraged in Islam. So it is no secret that uh, mosques have uh, served as a place of safety for all its people especially that of the needy however there are many practical ways to um, perform charity for for the individual as well uh, 
and Quran specifically talk about uh, about helping the needy people and um, it stated that it is not righteousness that you turn your face to the east or the west but but truly righteous is he who believes in Allah and the last day and the angels and the book and the prophets and spend their money for for love of him who the kindred and the orphans and the needy and the wayfarer and those who ask for charity and for ransoming the captives and who observe prayer and pay the zakat and those who fulfill their promise when they have made one and the and the patent in poverty and afflictions and the steadfast in the time of war it is those who have proved truthful and it is these who are the god fearing so in this verse um, allah almighty explained that um, you know uh, it is it is our duty it is uh, certainly the duty for muslim and obviously all of the mankind to uh, to address this issue to address to help um, people who are in need to help people uh, who are uh, i mean giving their best but regardless of that they're not um, um, i mean um, they're not getting enough money to uh, have shelter on their on their heads now the holy quran in chapter 4 verse 115 goes on to say also there is no good in many of their con- conferences except the conferences of such as enjoin charity or goodness or the making of peace among men mm-hmm. and whoso does that seeking the pleasure of allah almighty we shall soon be, we shall soon bestow on him a great reward the emphasis lies on the making of peace and of brotherhood where homelessness does not have a place and the one who is of understanding and performs charity is to be rewarded i mean look brotherhood uh, the, the word used here is brotherhood and with brotherhood brotherhood is something that comes with cohesive thinking it's it's it's, it's a holistic approach mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and uh, one of the one of the 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 you know the, the countries where um um efforts have been um very successful in mm. tackling homelessness yeah. because they've taken a holistic approach okay i just remember uh, one of the incident from the history of uh, history of islam about the brotherhood and how people um how people basically help each other so when islam started in the um city of makkah in arabia in early 7th century muslim were killed and beaten and persecuted due to their religion so after 13 years of persecution they were forced to uh, migrate to the city of madina and this led to the uh, led to an economic imbalance and the muslim of makkah became homeless and penniless so to address this uh, financial and emotional crisis prophet muhammad peace and blessing of allah be upon him uh, instituted a brotherhood called misake madina uh, to overcome this crisis now what is misake madina misake madina is that uh, after the migration the holy prophet sallam gathered the ansar and the uh, migrants who's the ansar ansar uh, is the people of madina and uh, he gathered uh, the people of madina and the people of makkah and uh, he appointed them as brothers and through that muslims of madina uh, welcomed them and shared their homes and money with them so and that is how uh, they became uh, to call the ansar the helpers 
because they offer all kinds of help to them. So I think we need to revive this kind of uh, this kind of misaki Medina in our society, where we build brotherhood and uh, to help other people regardless of their creed and uh, color. Well, this brotherhood that you're talking about is yeah. is is something that has been um, kind of experienced and and has been tried out, but more I think more of a question of uh, cohesive working within different departments mm-hmm. where um, homelessness has been tackled from a holistic perspective as I said earlier and it's in it's in it's in Finland where okay. um, this approach um, has been has been uh, used and and, uh, and this strategy design which is called housing first which focused on providing immediate independent permanent housing rather than temporary um, uh, temporary accommodation, like in this country, if you were to to, to declare, if you were to be um, unfortunate enough to to be homeless, you would have to go to uh, to your local authority. Your local authority will first put you in a bed and breakfast, and in bed and breakfast, um, technically speaking, if you are a family, they shouldn't really be putting you into bed and breakfast for more than six weeks. Mm-hmm. But because of shortage of property in this country, mm-hmm. they will keep on either moving you. Or they will they will continue to leave you in a bed and breakfast, and what happens is a lot of people who don't like the environment being provided in a bed and breakfast, mm-hmm. they tend to leave, okay. and what they do is they seek accommodation elsewhere, or they end up on the street, or they end up on someone's sofa, or on the families, or they go to the private sector to see if they can mm-hmm. get themselves housed, um, which works for the benefit of the government mm-hmm. because the government doesn't have the provision. All right. Which is the problem in this country, which Finland tackled. Mm-hmm. Finland looked at it holistically, and they threw money at the problem. But not just money; they had they they, they had a good strategy, um, um, where they didn't create obstacles. So they didn't go from bed and breakfast into temporary accommodation, from temporary accommodation. And bear in mind, temporary accommodation in this country means three to five years. Wow. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. temporary accommodation. Okay. When a local authority houses you mm-hmm. and it says, well, we're going to house you temporarily, a lot of people have this this notion that they're going to be housed for three months or four months or five months or even a year. Mm-hmm. No, temporary accommodation means three to five years to start with. Um, some local authorities have a waiting list of, of to be housed permanently for up to 15 years. So they, they, did they live in a house or they hotels? They live in houses. No, no. Okay. They live in hotels to start with, mm-hmm. then they move to they get moved into temporary accommodation, which is homes which they which the local authority seeks from the private sector, mm-hmm. and they house them in the private sector, and they can only house them permanently once the local authority either has built their own homes okay. or the local housing provider or the housing association has given them a quota to say we're going to give you 100 houses this year or 50 houses. And then they allocate those homes to those people in temporary accommodation who are in addition to other people who are already waiting mm-hmm. on different waiting lists to be housed. So, you know, this process could take a decade, decade. or yeah. two. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Finland, as I said, they they gave uh, they gave it priority, giving it immediate, independent, permanent housing rather than giving uh, temporary accommodation to people. The social benefit system um, of Finland helps solve as well as prevent the problem of homelessness, as the housing allowance can cover up to eighty percent of housing costs, as well as other emergency options. Now we talked about this earlier. Hidden mm-hmm. homelessness yeah. was another form of mm-hmm. homelessness, yeah. which again doesn't get discussed a lot. Mm-hmm. The, the Finland benefit system, what it's done is, it's catered for it. Okay. It's catered for it and it's costed it. 
Mm-hmm. And the reason it's costed it because then they will be able to avoid those people who are within existing households to become homeless. Mm-hmm. And they will find provision for them whilst they are in permanent accommodation. It will save them cost. It will save them provision. It will save them a lot of money in the long run. Mm-hmm. We had the opportunity to um, to interview uh, Juha Kahila, who is a interf- who is head of international affairs at the Y Foundation, which is um, the Housing First scheme of Finland. Let's go and listen to what uh, Juha Kahila has had to say on this topic. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, there's obviously a big problem about homelessness and kind of how it's plagued by this sort of ignorance and stigma about homeless people. So, can you talk us through this um, housing first broader understanding of? homelessness um, and how you help prevent that sort of misinformation and the overall problem of homelessness in Finland. Yeah, thank you for having me. And uh, and uh, Housing First is quite simple, actually. First, you give people a home and then the support they need need or want. And I, I think the, the key is the, is the housing here. And uh, for example, in Finland, or in the city of Helsinki, you hardly see anyone sleeping on the streets nowadays. So the change has has been rather radical and visible for the everyday people, and I think that makes all the difference. Because once people realize that actually, if you house people and they get by with the right kind of support, people start to realize and understand that hey, uh, actually homelessness it's not a person's fault. It just it's the, it's when the system has failed them, and that what has happened in Finland, I think, and. Uh, I think think the fact that, like I said, we get people off the streets in a capital city, I, I think that played a huge role, role in that sense. And of course, in Finland, we have the background coming from the Second World War that we lost a lot of land. Land to Russia and uh, of almost half a million people need to move, move back to the Finnish border and uh, we housed them back then. So I think there is this kind of history, history burden in our system that we need to house everyone and everybody deserves a home of their own. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. There's, it's quite clear how that correlation and actually helps for people to be able to kind of rebuild their lives. And like you say, homelessness, you know, it's rarely or never, you know, an individual's own fault. Mm-hmm. Um, so we also kind of say like a dwelling is the foundation on which the rest of life is put back together. So can you just elaborate on how vital is permanent housing uh, to the personal and social perhaps in, in terms of employment, you know, recovery of um, homeless people? I think it's essential. Essential. It's it's the first step. And uh, I always think about myself, what it would feel like to if I didn't know where to go sleep on a night time. I need to think about that all day long, where to find the next place to go. Mm-hmm. Or if I need to go somewhere, temporary accommodation or in a shelter, it's not a private place. It's probably not a safe place. So of course, home of your own, it's it's the backbone of everything, in my opinion, because it brings you to safety. It brings you your own peace. You can start figuring out your life in your own apartment. And I think there is this sense of normality as well. You have a same kind of rental apartment as anyone else who's living in a rental apartment. You have the same rights, same responsibilities, of course. You use the same services as anyone else. But then again, you might need some kind of support to get to get by your life. But hey, who doesn't need different kind of support every now and then? So I, I think it's the crucial part of the whole homelessness work. And uh, and uh, permanent housing is the key to everything regarding ending homelessness. Yeah, and I think that's such a lovely way to think about it. Like who doesn't need support every now and then? You know, everyone yeah. 
factors. So, you know, no one's more or less deserving of it. Um, exactly. Regardless of your status of like as a homeowner or a renter. Mm. Um, so obviously a lot of the kind of the people, you know, who do find themselves in situations of homelessness or vulnerability, they're also vulnerable to other issues. So for example, substance abuse. Um, so how is like the support and the services that um, that you offer like how, how is it done and how effective has it been for you? Well, I think the beauty of the housing first is that you get the support you need and want. And then, of course, some people, they have substance abuse issues and, and their support work can, can, can help help with them with those issues, you know, having discussions and motivate them to go into rehabilitation as well. And, uh, and then sometimes it takes a lot of time to people go into, for example, rehabilitation and sometimes they never go. It, it's their choice. Many people, they will reduce the they they use that the amount of usement they have and, and some people will go into rehabilitation but i think the key here is to understand that even in the housing first it's it's not a magic trick and it will take time and i think people should should be given that time and also also understand that not all people are willing to go into into rehabilitation for example and they will you know consume their whole life different kind of things but it's up to them and as long as you know it's safe for them and the neighbors they don't harm anyone it's their apartment they can do their thing thing back there and uh, and uh, and and to make sure that there is the support available when all of a sudden if they decided that they they want to do something with their issue i think that is the one of the key things there thank you that's that's really amazing so thank you for explaining that um, in so much detail so just as a final question um so like you said yourself like you know you barely ever see any um homeless people in Helsinki anymore um they've kind of been rehoused etc so it's it's proving to be a successful scheme in Finland so due to that kind of like because of that shared common goal amongst the country so would you kind of recommend that this scheme be adopted by other countries such as you know the UK over here or the US um and you know what or how can they learn from Finland's approach yeah for sure I can recommend and that's one part of my job try to convince politicians and decision makers that this is the way way you want to go and this is the way you know which will lead to end homelessness and uh, yeah, I think the Finnish approach is a little bit different because we have a strong political commitment to end homelessness by 27. And in the city of Helsinki, the commitment is to end homelessness by 25. And uh, and by that, of course, all the political parties agree that this is something we, we need to do. And with that comes that Housing First is not a pilot project. It's not a project somewhere in the outer circle of social services, but it, it, it's in the core of the homelessness work that we do. It's a holistic way of doing the whole homelessness work here in Finland. So I think that it, that is one of the main main differences between other countries where there is housing first available, but it's it's a very small project here and there. So there is this <clears throat> there is no national uh, national program behind it, and that really makes a difference. And uh, I don't know why, because we have all the statistics. Just today, I, I look from the Twitter that, for example, in Belgium, they have made calculations how much does it cost to put people on temporary accommodation versus giving them home with right kind of support, and every time the housing first wins. So we have all the facts in the table. So I think now it's just the lack of courage 
that the politicians have that's it's it, because it takes a lot of hard work to change the system but at the end of the day it will pay off so there's definitely like a lot of like logical sense to go for the housing first scheme definitely yeah for sure um, yeah no thank you so much for your time for explaining the amazing work that you do um and yeah hopefully that's something that you know other countries can also adopt because it seems to definitely be a success yeah thanks for having me and yes work continues thank you thank you and that was uh, Yuha Kahila, who is the Head of International Affairs at the Y Foundation, which is the Housing First Scheme of Finland. I hope to God that I have pronounced uh, his name correctly. Um, but, uh, you know, perfect example of, of how, um, um, you know, Housing First has been successful in Finland because uh, they have, uh, you know, uh, they, they've not just used finance, mm-hmm. but uh, they, they've, they have kind of... Uh, th- there's a moral compass. Yeah, um, they've talked of um, all other aspects of why homelessness does happen, um, and they've kind of put everything together, and they've 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 taken a holistic approach, and of course they have put in adequate provision to ensure that the problem is resolved. Now, mm-hmm. before I. Um, come to you, brother, brother Imran. There is a question that we are asking on our Instagram story, which is: How often um, do you give to people on the street? Um, and uh, we've had a few answers already. Fourteen percent say um, almost always. Thirty-six percent say quite often. Twenty-seven percent say sometimes, and twenty-three percent say almost never. If you want to take part in our uh, question on the Instagram story, you can do so at Voice of Islam UK. If you want to give us a call. Um, and, uh, you know, give us your solution to how you think homelessness should be tackled. We would love to hear from you. 0208-687-7878. Now, we've talked about UK. We've given you some some, some solutions from a Finnish perspective. Um, Brother Imran, it's, it's, uh, this, is not a, this is not a very isolated problem, is it? I mean, in the mm-hmm. developed world, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, we always talk of homelessness from a third world perspective. Yet, in the developed world... It's not an isolated issue, is it? This is, in fact, um, yeah. it's, it's an issue in other nations as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, um, in Tokyo, uh, where homelessness is most uh, prominent within Japan, and uh, accommodation is offered within uh, with, within vacant hotels, though these are uh, temporary living arrangements, and uh, employment advice is also offered to lower chances of future homelessness, but uh, the housing first tactics can be effectively replicated in other countries such as the USA and the UK by providing permanent permanent housing for the um, homeless so that so that stable job jobs may be available to them rather than funding temporary housing uh, which has not yet provide effective in eradicating the problem so I think, uh, yeah, just as uh, I think we can uh, abolish or we can uh, eradicate this problem of um, homelessness, not but not just g- uh, funding uh, the house scheme, but also uh, fund in a way that are more effective. And I think yeah, that's the, that's the way. Now, the United Nations is holding World Habitat Day which is today, mm-hmm. which is the 3rd of October. Okay. Um, hence why we are talking about this. Um, the theme about World Habitat Day is Mind the Gap, 
leave no one and place behind. And the aim is to highlight the problem of inequality that has been worsened by the, the um, you know, the triple crisis that has been hit, um, that we have been hit by, which is, um, you know, COVID, um, climate conflict. Um, there's been so many, uh, you know, and of course, there's there's a war going on now well, as well. Yeah. Um, and uh, from a from a financial perspective, Brexit was another. Um, yeah. Brexit was another financial hit that we 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 took, and and you know there, there was uh, um, the triple C of uh, in fact um, you know the the triple C about the inequality is crisis, COVID, and climate, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it it is it is a day. Uh, that uh, encourages uh, to reflect upon the homeless problem, especially concerning the basic right to adequate uh, shelter. I mean, His Holiness Hazem Mizamasur Ahmad, the fifth caliph of the promised Messiah, may Allah strengthen, it, strengthen his hand, said, in the Holy Quran, Allah the Almighty says that a believer must take care of the poor and should feed the hungry. Allah the Almighty says that a person should be willing to make personal sacrifices for the sake of others. God Almighty says that a person should avoid all forms of arrogance and ill-thinking of others and says that a person must always hold firm to the truth and save himself from all forms of falsehood. Aside from the encouragement to feed the hungry, uh, the teachings of the Holy Prophet stresses that one should think of others before himself even if he is, cap- if he is capable of it and not to be content in the comfort that ignorance brings as it is shrouded in falsehood. Since ignoring the issue of homelessness is not an option, it must be acted upon instead, whether through charity or through raising awareness. While we're talking about raising awareness, let's go and talk to our next guest um, of the afternoon. We have with us um, uh, Rocio Urias Martinez. I hope to God I have pronounced your name correctly. If I haven't, my sincerest apologies. Um, Good afternoon, welcome, assalamualaikum, and peace be on you, and thank you for taking time out and coming on to the Drive Time Show. Good afternoon from Brussels. Thanks for inviting me, and yeah, you pronounced it uh, right. Thank you I'm so much, Rocio. Yes. <laughs> thank you, thank you, yeah. Rocio. You are a communications officer at the European Federation of National Organizations working with the homeless. Yeah, exactly. Um, could you tell us... Um, Homelessness is on the increase. We've talked about it from a United Kingdom point of view. It's it's on the increase on a daily basis, but it's also increasing in Europe, especially after COVID. So, what kind of support mechanism is offered in uh, to homeless people um, and vulnerable people in in Europe? Yeah, indeed, homelessness is on the increase. The ANSA estimates that there, is, there are at least 700,000 homeless people on the street or in shelters on any given night in the European Union. This is an increase of 70% compared to 10 years ago, and it, this is a minimum. Uh, Rocio, is that rough sleepers? or yeah. so We're not talking homeless families. We're talking like visibly rough sleepers who are sleeping on the streets or in shop, or shop, um, shop doorways and stuff like that. Both shelters and people are sleeping on the street, but the number could be higher as there is a lot of hidden homelessness. Mm-hmm. So this is a minimum estimate. So, and I wh- would say, yeah. What kind of support and and are you providing for these uh, rough sleepers? 
So the support offered to homeless people varies greatly, greatly depending on the country, region or city in Europe, of course, which it, is, uh, it has a positive side, which is that it allows us to identify which solutions are working. And I, I would say those are prevention and housing. Generally, homelessness is treated like an emergency and managed in the short term with all sorts of crisis inter- interventions such as shelters or soup kitchens, this isn't very effective. We need a structural solutions like ensuring people can get and keep housing, providing social and health support to people in a way that really works for them. Housing-led solutions such as Housing First, for example, the Finland um, example that you already went through, mm-hmm. have proven to be the best strategy to tackle homelessness. Now, in, Overall in, welfare policy, yeah. in, in UK, there was a time when homelessness and housing was was joined up with social, um, so, social worker and, and social um, um, uh, social care was part and parcel of of the of the of the housing department. So, w- whenever there was um, a, a housing issue within a family, um, social services were able to pick up on it, but. Since the, the, these departments have been separated, the, the the issue of homelessness in this country has kind of increased. Is that is that similar to what's happening in Europe? I think that is a really good point because targeted solutions are are necessary because you need to examine the the situation and you need to pair the housing support with other kind of support like maybe healthcare or maybe. Social services, so yeah, absolutely. I think this this is a problem in Europe. Now, what what we we've I mean, you've heard that uh, we we've discussed the Finnish um, option now, and Housing First has been fairly successful. In I, I wouldn't say they've eradicated it, but they're more or less on their way of eradicating homelessness in Finland. And admittedly, the number of people that they're having to deal with comparatively um, to Europe is 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 small, but in principle. Is that the kind of uh, a solution that uh, uh, you are looking to adopt in Europe to deal with homelessness? Yes, absolutely. This is what Fianza advocates because that is what uh, research has proven to that that works. It, so this is exactly what we advocate for. Okay, um, Fianz, um <coughs> Sorry. Um, Rocio Fianza calls uh, for housing allowances to be available for the y- for young people in need uh, from the age of 18. How vital uh, is the prevention of youth homelessness to the overall problem of homelessness? I think uh, young people have been the primary victims of Europe's malfunctioning housing markets for several years. And this is probably also true for the UK because we know that salaries are not enough to pay for rent and then the cost of living crisis, energy poverty. So when young people can access housing, they are compelled to live in poor conditions and they experience issues such as overcrowding or energy poverty. Mm-hmm. And this is when they can access housing because the numbers we have from 2020 showed that uh, the family house was the main housing option option for 80% of young people aged 18 to 24 and in Europe. Mm-hmm. 
And 40% of people between 25 and 29 also have to live with their families. These mm-hmm. numbers are, are really worrying because this means that uh, young people can transition to independency and they can start their own lives. Um, Rocio, in, in UK, if you're under 35 and if you're unemployed, you, the, 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 the Department of Work and Pensions will not pay for you to live in a one-bedroom self-contained flat they will only entitle you to a one room. Um, and you have to be over 35 to be eligible for a one bedroom. Is that the same in in, in Europe? And that is what you're challenging um, to, to, to say that it should be available to anybody over 18? I would say that in Europe, there is there are big differences between the countries. For example, in the south of Europe, Italy and Spain, they have the highest numbers of uh, young people living with their families. That is because they have a very high youth unemployment and they have no uh, public uh, help or allocation for young people who want to uh, emancipate their parents' house. But uh, on the opposite side, Denmark or Sweden, which are countries that have very low numbers compared to the south of Europe, uh, they do have this uh, public money and help for young people who want to live independently. So this has shown that it works, and also there is cases of people who don't who have like complicated family situations or low-income families that can't live with their parents. So having allowances for young people in need is essential, as it prevents that these young people without means and family networks, and it prevents them from falling into these situations. Okay. Um, Rocio, how realistic uh, is the goal of ending homelessness in Europe? And uh, do you think it can be achieved in the near future? It is a very timely question. As a bit more than a year ago, in June 2021, uh, the European Platform on Combating Homelessness was launched and 27 European Union member states and some institutions Mm -hmm. committed to work towards ending homelessness by 2030. Okay. So only in eight years, mm-hmm. uh, we believe that this is probably uh, this is a very ambitious goal, and it may not be achieved, but a paradigm shift is possible. Um, Rocío, Ro- Ro- you you yeah? you talked about uh, uh, you know maybe it's not possible or it will take time, but if one was to look back in COVID nineteen, suddenly all governments around Europe around the developed world were able to house the people who were sleeping rough on the streets um, because they needed to protect them um, from COVID. So clearly there was a will to move these people and house these people somewhere. So it can be done. Isn't the question more, is there a political will to to tackle this and actually recognize this as a real problem. Yeah, absolutely. Fianza has been arguing since the pandemic started that this is the moment that there is momentum to end homelessness because we've seen how important having a home is. It's not only a matter of housing rights but also health rights. And if we have the, the enough political will, it could be done. But even if we don't completely eradicate homelessness, 
we could get to a situation where homelessness is rare, short and unrepeated because there is policies in place that ensure that. It's a long way for that. Uh, we're a long way from that point, but it is possible. And the example of Finland, for example, shows that it can be done. So, yeah, we think that it can be done, but we need the political will. And and your your organization's policy or um, solution that you're looking to pursue is that going to be same across Europe, across all 27 nations? Or or, or is it um, a, a different version for each nation? Uh, because the economies and societies in different nations in Europe work very differently, of course, uh, solutions have to be targeted to the different societies and countries. Mm-hmm. However, we still believe that uh, the solution to homelessness is rather simple, is to provide housing for everyone. So I think there is a general solution for every country, but of course we need to target it to the different situations and societies. Uh, finally, Rocio, one question. We are going through a, a cost of living crisis. We're going through an interest rate increase, which is actually hitting Europe as well now, where interest rates are going up. And in fact, we were discussing earlier that uh, when when uh, homeowners are hit um, with the with the increase in their mortgage payments, they pass that uh, on to the to to the tenant, and the tenant can't afford to pay, and they end up being in arrears and end up being homeless. What provisions are uh, European governments putting in place? to avoid the increase in homelessness because of the current economic climate? We believe that uh, we could use some of the solutions that work during the COVID-19 crisis, because this is uh, a crisis too. For example, some European countries introduced temporary moratoria on evictions mm-hmm. and repossessions from primary residences. This works, so we suggest to do it again. We could also introduce emergency income support and measures like tax breaks or price caps or social tariffs, even rent controls in some cases, because the priority is to enable households to cope. But but is but so, yeah, is, is isn't the challenge that the private sector um, is not going to accept rent controls? I mean, you can introduce rent controls on government-owned properties, but the private sector. Will, will not easily accept rent controls, will they? Yeah, that's something that member states and the European Union should negotiate and debate. And and how long are we you? Just, uh, how long are you look? Are, how long are you looking to uh, to um, to introduce uh, um, a ban on eviction? Like here in United Kingdom, Scotland has already done so. They've they've kind of put another ban um, on uh, on evictions. Um, similar to what you're saying during COVID-19. Um, so w- what kind of time span are you looking to uh, to um, to introduce? We don't know how long this crisis is is going to last. As with COVID-19, this, it's, we don't know how what the future will be, but it is important to also introduce uh, structural changes because emergency uh, emergency measures that you have to revoke don't last forever. So I think that these emergency measures like the ban on evictions should also go with uh, tempor- 
structural solutions. But we do believe that uh, evictions without uh, a housing alternative should be, if not banned, they should be, it's, it, we should give um, a, solu uh, a housing solution for people who are being evicted and we shouldn't evict people without any solution. Wonderful. Rocio Udias Martinez, thank you so much for taking time out and coming on to the Drive Time Show this afternoon. Thank you. I wish you a fantastic uh, day ahead. May peace be with you. Yeah, many thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Rocio was, uh, is um, a communications officer for FIANSA, which is the European Federation of National Organizations Working with the Homeless. Um, Imran, you, you, we talked earlier um, mm -hmm. about um, uh, housing being a, a human right. I mean, is it a human right? Should there be fairness in 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 in, uh, in, in how uh, people are housed? I mean, should uh, should people be? I mean, like I, I mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. in this country, if you're under thirty-five and you're not working, the government will only give you enough benefit that you can uh, you can rent a room. Um, is there fairness um, and or is there abuse in 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 uh, in this particular field? Uh, I mean, as you said, that homelessness is a human right issue, and uh, as obvious, households or a situation leading to uh, substance abuse abuse um, are the most common uh, causes. Children are deprived of uh, a stable ho home, and Adults are left with uh, deteriorating mental health, and uh, homeless people are thus deprived of their right to health, uh, privacy, and freedom of uh, um, uh, freedom of treatment. So, regarding this, um, His Holiness Hazrat um, uh, Hazrat Khalifa al Masidi V said, "A lack of fairness is what pre." Precipitated. Yeah, sorry. Pre precipitated the global financial cr crash and the growing disparity between the rich and the poor during the past few years. I say this given that whilst developed and richer nations may, may have chosen to invest in poorer countries, they have prioritized their own invest uh, invest interest above facilitating the development of those local countries. They ought to have uh, sincerely helped the people of those poor nations and stand upon their own feet, two feet with dignity and honor. And I think um, that is what Islam teaches, that Islam teaches that rulers uh, should make such laws so that wealth does not remain concentrated in a few hands but wealth and capital should be uh, circulated in society. And uh, that is why Islam has introduced the system of zakat. And I think it's very important. And uh, the zakat is, uh, which, which is calculated as 2.5% of the accumulated wealth in a, in a year. So I think uh, to, to tackle this issue, Islam has uh, laid this system. Now, zakat is is a I mean, you, you perfect um, has a perfect solution within um, within the topic we're suggesting. But it's such a broad mm -hmm. topic, and we have covered it before. Yeah. Um, but you know, the homelessness and fairness. Um, there is also a, a, a matter of of equity, and the concept of equity is one one of the solutions which um, 
which which will solve the problem of homelessness, where basic human rights and and fairness um, are strict aspects. Again, there needs to be a discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, we are coming up to the end of the show, so we need to conclude um, uh, conclude this topic. Um, going back to the Instagram story, um, we were asking a question: How often do you give to people on the street? And um, the closing uh, figures are that twelve percent said we almost always give. Good on you, all the 12%. They're doing the right thing. Um, you know, the, the people people who are sleeping rough, I can assure you they're not there for fun. <laughs> and if you have the capacity and the capability to give, um, may God bless you for that. Um, 36% they do quite often. 32% say sometimes. And 28% say almost never. I would um, urge the people who say almost never, um, you know, um, open, your, open your hearts. Um, and I can assure you, as I said, these people... Um, you know, anything would help. Um, you know, if if it doesn't always have to be money, um, if you have clothes, if you have a blanket, sure. um, go and share it um, with someone who, um, or 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 give you a sandwich, buy him a cup of coffee. Yeah. It doesn't always have to be money. Right. Um, a capitalistic society provides its people the perception that people are responsible for their own misfortunes, such as homelessness. Hence, the rich get richer as they're supported and offered various options while the poor get poorer, blamed for their ill fate. It is only when the homeless are perceived as unequal and thus hopeless that the government and society resorts to contributing towards a solution. An example is the Mill on the problem of homelessness in Manchester reports that the council spent £7.5 million on temporary accommodation. This year it expects to spend £32 million. This is funded by taxpayers only, and the council spends this money on homelessness more so that it doesn't on forms of leisure. However, the focus of homelessness lies on temporary housing and the money does not go to homeless people in some form of financial support. Rather, it goes towards private landlords and hotels who provide these temporary housing and towards the staff who oversee the system. Um, it's a fantastic point. Finally, in 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 a hadith, in a te- from the teachings of the Holy Prophet, the Messenger of Allah says, "Acts of begging are lacerations with which a man disfigures his face. So he who wish wishes may preserve his self-respect, and he who wishes may abandon it. But this does not apply to one who begs from a ruler or in a situation which makes it necessary." We're coming up to the five o'clock news. We're going to take a very quick break and go to the news. And when we come back, we're going to go on to our second topic of the afternoon, which is worship, our purpose in life. So do stay tuned. Grab yourself a cup of coffee and come back and join us after news. You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text as this is a recording and lines are now closed. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Monday Afternoon Drive Time Show with myself, Kayyum, sitting in for Brother Talib and Brother Imran. Um, in the first hour, we have been talking about homelessness, how um, there needs to be equity, there needs to be justice, there needs to be fairness um, in, in how... Um, 
how um, homelessness needs to be dealt with. Um, and uh, we spoke uh, of uh, the Islamic perspective as well. Um, you know, I, I always say Islamic perspective, but Islam uh, as a religion is also a way of life. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, shelter is, is, uh, is, is part and parcel of how one lives um, in, in, uh, you know, in, in your daily life. But coming back to the hour, um, for the next hour, we're going to be talking about the next topic, which is worship, our purpose uh, in, in, in life. Um, Brother Imran. Uh, this is, uh, you know, yeah. this is your baby this afternoon. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, nowadays we see everyone looking for a purpose, uh, whether that is um, finding the perfect job or looking for inner peace or finding God. People want to have something that they can uh, dedicate their life to, something they they can wake up every day for. Whilst we see everyone else looking for their purpose in this world, in Islam, we are taught from the beginning that our purpose is to wor worship God Almighty. As in the Holy Quran says, I have created jinn and men so that they should recognize and worship me. So according to this verse, the true uh, purpose of human life is the worship and understanding of God Almighty and devotion to him. So that's the the uh, you can say introduction of this topic. So worship in the in the times that we live at the mm -hmm. moment, you know, when somebody says worship, mm -hmm. people look at you funny. People think what worship? What does that mean? What is worship? Okay. How do you define worship to someone who says, you know, th those those days are gone? You're talking ancient times. You're, you're, you know, how is worship relevant today? How would you define that? So the worship, um, I mean, I think um, the creator um, has created you and uh, he deserved to be worshipped. I, I don't think so. It's, uh, it's a question for, for, the, for, uh, for the people for, of the Stone Age or the uh, uh, people living in like 14th century. It's a question for for the uh, people uh, living in this day and age because we need um, to worship our Creator. And why we need to um, worship uh, our Creator? So if we look, um, if we think that, um, if we look um, towards the history, all prophet from all ages, from all countries are agree, agreed on this fundamental that man must worship God. And the manner of worship is Sorry, yeah. You, you see, you use the word must. Yeah. That's like, well, shouldn't it be, it's a choice. Mm -hmm. Or is it must? So I'm, I'm just quoting, I'm just quoting or I'm just quoting history. Okay. The prophet and the the books of from God is, uh, says that man must worship. Man must worship God. And I also say that. The, that sounds like you're forcing someone to say, you you got to do this. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm telling you that, you know, uh, in the Bible or in the Torah, in the Quran, it says you have to worship God. Okay. And I'm not going to explain the philosophy please, why. Please, why. please. So, um, as I mentioned, that manner of worship in, is a different. Um, the manner of worship is different, but the essence of worship remains the same. So, in uh, Hinduism, you uh, make, uh, you know, idol and worship that. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, in buddhism you uh, you go on the mountains and you mo- uh, you do your worship there in islam you have that uh, uh, um prayer but but so, Hind- hinduism isn't yeah. isn't isn't i mean just to be on on to give a, a balanced perspective hinduism mm-hmm. is uh is 6000 years old yeah, right. the original teachings of hinduism i mean we believe krishna to be a prophet of god almighty right. um and the, the you know over time over 6000 years um you know the the actual genuine authentic religion has been diluted and and the the you know the the idols that uh, have been created wasn't in fact at the at the beginning of time those happened over right, right. over a period of right. time and 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 they represent the manifestations right. of different attributes of god according to their belief but the bhagwan is yeah. is that one god they also yeah, you know yeah. but they do believe in i just wanted to clarify yeah, yeah, that yeah so i uh, i was talking that the the manner of worship is different but mm-hmm. the the essence of worship remain the same to yeah. worship a god your creator mm-hmm. now um uh so uh, and to subjugate um the will of god and try to cl- um gain closeness upon him through worship so that's the essence of worship now i have to i have to define here uh, you know uh, the word worship in english does not convey the whole message uh, which quran wants to uh, say to um, say to its uh, listeners mm-hmm. so the the word for worship in the holy quran it say it use abada and uh, the islamic terminology is much better and expressive and leaves no room for any doubt so the holy quran used the word abd um instead of worship it's a very important point so the worship may means just to bow your head to someone superior authority and prostrate uh, yourself and pay homage to his greatness but the word abada which quran used uh, does not mean that the word abada means that you become a perfect slave of god voluntarily leaving nothing of your own desires against the will of god so subjugate yourself and follow him this is the essence essence of word word worship uh, sorry word abd and so the word abd also has the root meaning of following the path slavishly behind a leader whether he does whatever he does you do so that's the essence of the word worship now so this mean the worship which um the meaning of worship so so the word abd yeah that's an arabic word that's an arabic word which holy quran use and the literal meaning of the word abd is to follow to basically follow and you follow in a way that you uh, that your own will your own desire does not matter anyway you just follow the will of god and uh, um you worship in a way that whatever your uh, your leader do you do uh, behind him mm-hmm. so now we talk about what's the philosophy of worshiping god does god need our worship does god uh, need uh, our prayers why is that so the answer to this question is um that we believe that uh, god is perfect and his attributes are limitless and internal uh, and so when we believe that so now if you worship that perfect model then 
you cannot add to his greatness what what you gonna what you gonna gain your own self and your own own uh, um, let's say moral values it does not uh, add to the greatness of god or it does not uh, you can take something from the greatness of god so the 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 philosophy of worship is you worshiped your creator because he is a perfect and following the perfect model you can gain your own self as well so this is the essence of worship and you cannot add to that um uh, you cannot add to that um perfect model or you cannot take from from anything from uh from the creator so that is why when we worship we actually um improve ourselves and uh, it's it's not a good example but uh, to understand uh, for to understand it is very i think uh, very good example is that when you go to the doctor and uh, when you're um, feeling sick the doctor prescribes you the uh, prescription and that pres- prescription benefits you not the doctor so in this case the worship is the prescription for mankind uh, from god so that's the philosophy of uh, worship so in islam god the perfect being right holy quran the perfect book mm-hmm. the perfect guide right and the holy prophet may peace and blessings of allah be upon him the perfect embodiment mm-hmm. of the holy quran right. which is the word of god right hence why we refer to the holy prophet mm-hmm. as the perfect human being right so we need to emulate everything that the holy prophet does which should reflect in our worship mm-hmm. for the creator right absolutely is that correct yeah is that correct but one thing i would just want to uh, make that uh, holy prophet he's a human being as well and he can make mistake but not in a religious matter so I'll say that again yeah so you mentioned that the holy prophet that's why we believe that holy prophet uh, Uh, perfect peace, embodiment of embod- embodiment of the holy quran yes. and that's why we need to follow yes, yes we need we need to follow him in a religious matter but as a human being he can make a mistake okay. he can forget for example on one occasion he was leading a prayer and uh, uh, asr prayer and uh, he only done two um prayer and actually you have to uh, do four prayer So he done uh, the two prayer and uh, he uh, finished the prayer and uh, someone from behind he said uh, oh prophet of allah does the prayer has changed he said no he said uh, you have then you have must have forgotten he said okay then so uh, from this example i want to demonstrate that in relig- in worldly matter he can forget he can make mistake but obviously in religious matter the um, holy prophet sallallahu cannot be mistaken hold that thought i'm going to come back to you and question you more because yeah. we're going to go out to our first guest of the afternoon we have got um uh, imam ansar raza with us uh, good afternoon welcome assalamu alaikum and peace be on you uh, imam ansar raza ji wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh thank you so much for taking time out sir um imam ansar raza is a life devotee and he is a missionary currently serving in toronto we are grateful for your time uh, this afternoon imam uh, imam raza could you please um, um elaborate on what uh, our, our young imam here um, imran akram was saying 
when he was defining um, um, what exactly is worship according to the Holy Quran or in Islam, I should say. Yeah, <clears throat> actually, you know, uh, we normally see and it's normal practice in our secular life that uh, in a civilized society, we show loyalty, obedience and respect for the system. We follow the system and for those uh, also who run the system, who are people of authority. So likewise, uh, leading life according to the tenets of Islam uh, is called worship. And uh, worship in Arabic is ibadah. Worshipper is called, of course, abd. So <clears throat> in Islam and the the in the nutshell of uh, this term, what Quran has explained or the Prophet has explained, that ibadah means to express obedience, to respect means obedience to God, respect for God, uh, humility before Him, and uh, gratefulness for favors and blessings bestowed upon us by God, and ultimately to have a love of God uh, in our hearts. So this is, uh, in the nutshell, is uh, the worship. So, you, you the the purpose of worship of God. So, what is the purpose? Um, why is that the purpose for the for 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 human creation? <clears throat> Again, uh, we make this comparison with the secular society. That uh, why do we uh, abide by the laws of the land? Why we respect the people in authority or uh, do the compliance for for the system? is that we wish to have uh, a peaceful society. We contribute socially and financially to run the affairs of the state and the government and to establish a peace and harmony in the society. So on top of the secular purposes, Islam says that you should do all these things. You not only obey Allah and the messenger, but also those who are uh, in government, those who are your uh, rulers. Uh, but on top of that, <coughs> as I mentioned, that Allah, Allah says that uh, we should do the ibadah, the worship, to express our gratefulness. In Surah Fatiha, we say, Iyaka na'budu, that uh, thee alone do your worship. And in uh, Surah Al-Baqarah, chapter 2, uh, verse number 173, Allah Ta'ala says, Ya min in kuntum See, in Surah Fatiha, we say, We only worship you. Allah Ta'ala says, I have given you all of these things. For you who believe, eat of the good things we have provided for you, and render thanks to Allah if it is He whom you worship alone. So, worship is to express our gratitude, uh, our gratefulness, and likewise in Surah Al-Quraish, chapter 106, of Holy Quran, verses 4 and 5, Allah Ta'ala says, فَلْيَعْبَدُوا رَبَّ هَذَا الْبَيْتِ اللَّذِي أَطْعَمَهُمْ مِنْ جُوْرٍ وَآمَنَهُمْ مِنْ خَوْفٍ That they should worship the Lord of this house, who has set them against hunger, and has given them security against fear. So these are the things that Allah Ta'ala has given us, all the favors. You know, state provides and government provides us so many things that we live peacefully, so we should be grateful to them. And this is what the Prophet Sallallahu said when he was uh, offering uh, tajjad prayers and his feet and legs were swollen somebody asked me why do you do that because you are already forgiven and he said afala akuna abdan shakura should i not be a thankful slave so 
gratefulness is uh, one of the purposes other purpose again in surah fatiha uh, we say iyaka nastain and the uh, alone do we implore for help and in surah al-baqarah chapter 2 verse number 46 allah taala says and seek help with patience and prayer so purpose of prayer pur- purpose of worship is uh, to seek help from allah taala and again uh, to attain nearness to god in surah al-alaq chapter 96 verse 20 allah taala says kalla la tutihu wasjud wa karib may he is not thou to him but prostrate yourself and draw near to god so nearness to god uh, is one of the purposes and even those people who were worshiping idols who were worshiping those deities beside allah taala see what they say they say walladhina takhadhu min dunihi awliya ma na'buduhum illa liyuqarribuna ila allah zulfa and those who take for protectors others beside him say we serve them only that they may bring us near to allah in station so nearness to allah is the purpose and even those who were as i said they were worshiping others their purpose was to attain nearness to allah wonderful imam uh, ansar raza thank you so much for such a comprehensive answer um um imam akram yeah um raza sab um um we see that uh, you know um um different religions have different way of praying for example in buddhism we just talking previously that in buddhism um we uh, they go to the mountain mountains and um meditate there and in hinduism they they create a, their bhagwan and they um give um they um service their bhagwan and in christianity um uh, you have the um church and uh, so what what is the um islamic why islamic prayer do you think that uh, is uh, is uh, you can say more um better way to to worship your god uh, <clears throat> first of all uh, as far as the buddhist uh, buddhism or hinduism and some other uh, spiritual <coughs> uh religions are concerned what they do is only for their personal salvation mm-hmm. but islamic way of uh, worship uh, is uh, not only just you know doing this uh, salat but every act of a true believer is worship paying zakat mm-hmm. and uh, you know spreading uh, uh, peace and the brotherhood in the, in the society is uh, is a mode of worship right so islam says that when we do worship its benefit should spread all over humanity it's not your own personal salvation which matters mm-hmm. but the salvation of the whole humanity whole society is uh, before us that is why uh, we say iyaka na'budu wa iyaka nasta'in it's not only i am seeking your help mm-hmm. but all of us we seek your help so these and the hazrat muslim maud rahmatullahi ta'ala anhu has explained that uh, uh, islamic form of worship if you are talking about the salat it is the combination of all uh, religious rituals some mm-hmm. uh, only bow some only prostrate some only stand still uh, and some you know go to solitude and uh, they worship there islam has combined all of these things right of course for the first namaz you go to the mosque but if you wish to earn more love of god and being more gratefulness then hazrat musimah sam said that you go to your innermost room 
and you pray to God there and do your worship so that it's between you and God. But mm-hmm. this is one aspect. So Islam is the combination of all other rituals. Um, Imam, Imam, sir, in, interesting. Um, um, please clarify this for me. So, so I'm to understand if, if, from an Islamic perspective, from salat and from worship, if I was to just do salat for my benefit, that would be incomplete. Uh, well, this is the first step. If you are personally seeking salvation, it's not your only personal salvation, but you are seeking salvation for uh, for the whole humanity. Mm-hmm. That is why the the prayers which we are taught to to say during our prayers is for the whole mankind. So this is first step. It's not that it's wrong. I'm saying it's just first step, and it should uh, you know elaborate and uh, go on to the whole humanity. Wonderful. So, um, uh, Raza Saib, you you um, have answered beautifully um, the previous question. One, if if we look at um, um, uh, through the perspective of athe- atheist, and if he wants to find his creator, what means uh, do you suggest him to through that he can um, he can basically um, achieve or um, he, achieve or worship his creator because there are a lot kind of prayer somebody say okay you can do yoga and through that you can um, um, meet or make relationship with your god so uh, if for 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 a, for an atheist atheist uh, perspective what is the what is your advice uh, <clears throat> you know as i made the comparison uh, in the first place is that there is a one society, secular society in this world we see all over, all around us. And uh, every atheist, they say that uh, to become a moral person, I do not need to be a believer. Mm-hmm. So morality is the foundation stone for the uh, peace and stability and harmony of a society. So this is half circle. You know, the circle is 360 degrees, but they are right. looking just 180 so 180 is behind us. You know, if uh, I look in the front of uh, myself, I just see 180. Mm-hmm. So that other 180 is uh, absent as far as their uh, perspective is concerned. So we need to tell them and uh, rationally, because rationality comes after the revelation. The Prophet asked people that if I ask you, if I tell you that there is a big contingent of army ready to attack you, would you believe me? And they said yes. Mm-hmm. So what he used, he used rationality, not mm. revelation first. So as far as atheists are concerned, uh, you need to tell them that you should seek the existence of God rationally and then spirituality comes. For example, if I go to uh, my friend's home and I knock and knock and knock and nobody is responding, what would I conclude? Mm-hmm. Whether mm-hmm. there is nobody inside the house or if somebody was there, he's dead. Mm-hmm. But right. but the question is is that do I need to go there? Is it my desire to go to my friend's home and knock? So first you have to have a desire to go to God and knock. If there is no response, and Allah Taala says in the Holy Quran, those who seek our ways, our paths, we surely show them our paths, our ways. In mm-hmm. the the guidance is upon us. But the matter is, the real question is, do you need to seek God's uh, favors? And do you really need to know that he does exist or not? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, uh, Raza Sahib, can you um, tell us why are still some believers in every religion 
reluctant to worship. I mean, it's their creator and uh, and God has created them. But st- still, some people, I mean, don't want to worship. Why is that? Uh, you know, what happens is that people uh, are totally ignorant about the accountability. Mm-hmm. And they think that we shall not be reckoned with. So there is no reckoning. We just die and die. And Allah Ta'ala, many, many Muslims say that He is very Ghafurur Rahim, He is merciful and He is very forgiving. So whatever we do, He will forgive us and that the Prophet shall be an intercessor between us and God. Mm-hmm. But this is something which is not supported by, uh, by the Holy Quran. Allah Ta'ala says that those people who are saying, uh, they, people ask them that, Ma'ashallah ka kumfi sakar. What mm-hmm. made you to come to the to the, to the hell? Okay. And they say, "Kalu lam na kominan musallin." We were not worshiping. Lam na ko nutemul miskin, and we were not feeding the the poor people. Wakunna na khudam al khaydin, wakunna na kazibu biyamidin. We were declining and refusing that there is going to be a day of reckoning. Mm-hmm. So still, people believe in God, but still they are under the impression that everything everything shall be fine at the end of the day. And we shall not be reckoned with. And if there is a reckoning, that Prophet uh, will be an intercessor. So, okay, Allah Ta'ala, these are my own, so please let them go to the hell, mm-hmm. to the paradise. Mm-hmm. So, it, these are the wrong concepts which are spread among the people. All right. So, you mentioned that uh, um, some of the verses of the Holy Quran which say that you should um, um, feed the needy people and should uh, charity. If someone says to me that uh, I do all good stuff, like I, I care about people and I behave in a good manner, I don't do, uh, like, I, I, I'm not criminal and I do lots of charity, then why I need to worship my Creator? Like, and does, does, uh, can I go to, um, what would you say, after, uh, after my dying, can I go to paradise? Because I have done all of the good thing apart from just worshipping my God. Uh, you know, uh, Allah Ta'ala says in the Holy Quran that Enter in Islam completely. Mm-hmm. And on one place Allah Ta'ala says Do you believe in some of the parts of the book and you deny some of the parts of the book? No. Mm-hmm. We need to understand what our religion says. Mm-hmm. And it's not only Islam, but Judaism, Christianity and other religions they also say that there is a, a life hereafter. Okay. And we have to stand before God. So we have to, you know, being accountable for all of our deeds. So it's not that, you know, uh, uh, spreading peace or feeding the poor and all these things in this world is sufficient. Mm-hmm. The rights of God, as I mentioned earlier, that we have to be grateful to Allah mm-hmm. Ta'ala that He has provided all of these things to us. Mm-hmm. As I said in Surah Quraysh, Allah Ta'ala has provided us food mm-hmm. against hunger. Allah Ta'ala has provided us security against fear. Mm-hmm. So if Allah Ta'ala has provided all the all of these things, we should be grateful to Him. We should seek His help. Mm-hmm. So this is why we need to worship God. Imam Ansar Raza, as always, thank you so much sir, for taking time out and coming on to the Drive Time Show this afternoon. I wish you a fantastic you evening me. ahead. Thank you. Um, please remember us in your prayers. May peace be with Inshallah. you, sir. Thank you very much. Assalamualaikum Tullah. Walaikum salam. Fascinating, yeah. fascinating topic. <laughs> um, you know, um, uh, worship 
as as Imam Ansar Raza said, mm-hmm. it's it's an it's an important or if not the most important um, tool to communicate with God Almighty. Absolutely, whether it's through your prayers or through um, through um, a charity, through helping people. I mean, it's all um, it's all. It's all are different ways of worship. So Islam does not say that, okay, you can just pray and that's it. So the worship has a whole meaning in itself. It's not just praying. It's, it's serving humanity. And it goes on both ways, relationship with your God and relationship with the creation of God. Now we've spoken about um, worship from a different, diff, uh, from an Islamic perspective. Uh, perspective. Let's go on and and talk to our next guest, who um, will also shed some light mm-hmm. um, on, on this topic. We have with us Rabbi Leah Mulstein. I hope to God I have pronounced your name <laughs> correct, and if I haven't, please do correct me. Um, senior Rabbi at the Ark Synagogue Northwood. Good afternoon, welcome, and peace be on you, sir. Good afternoon. Um, Madam, thank you so my much apologies. for having. That's okay. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you so much for pronouncing my name correctly. Oh, I did pronounce it correctly. <laughs> Absolutely, mm-hmm. thank fantastic, you. Rabbi. Um, Rabbi, why is the worship most important part of every religion in the world? So I can't really speak for other religions, but from a Jewish perspective, worship, or in Hebrew we call it avodah, which is very similar to the Um, Arabic word um, is so central because it provides us with an opportunity to be in a lived relationship with God. And in addition to connecting us to God, it also connects us to our fellow worshippers, our community. And I think most importantly for me, worship isn't simply about praying. I think when we think about it in the English-speaking context, when we hear the word worship, people just think about praying. But as you've already explored in your program, mm-hmm. uh, worship is about much more than just praying. It's it's actually a vehicle for us to reflect on our task in this world, that our task in this world is to live a life of meaning, to bring justice to the world, to treat each other with kindness. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite stories is the story about Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel, who marched with Martin Luther King at Selma. Mm -hmm. And he said when he was at Selma, he was praying with his feet. So when I talk to people, I always stress that worship isn't just about praying with our mouth. Mm -hmm. It's also about remembering to pray with our feet, to worship God through living a life of righteousness. Right. So, um, Rabbi, um how can one understand the meaning and purpose of one's life? Because there are so many people living uh, in this world and from different backgrounds, different creed, and uh, different languages. So, um, And there are so many different religions. How can w- one understand the true meaning of uh, his life? It's a really easy question to answer in a couple of minutes, right? <laughs> but um, <laughs> I think... <laughs> I think the Jewish tradition teaches us um, that the most important thing about human beings is that we are partners with God in creating the world anew each day. We aren't the owners of the world. We are simply guardians. 
Um, so we learned, for example, in a teaching which was recorded in the rabbinic commentary on the biblical book of Ecclesiastes, um, about Adam, the first human being, walking around the Garden of Eden alongside God. And God turns to Adam um, with an important warning. God says, look at everything that I have created. It is beautiful and bountiful. Mm-hmm. Make sure to tend this world carefully. For if you destroy it, my my if you destroy my world, there will be nobody to repair it after you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of my ta- favorite teachings, especially if we read it alongside another wonderful rabbinic teaching about the great Talmudic sage Hillel, who was approached by someone wishing to convert to Judaism, mm-hmm. who asked to be taught the entire Torah stood on one foot, and Hillel accepted the challenge. Other the convert had or prospective convert had gone to other rabbis who didn't accept the challenge, but Helen accepted the challenge and said, what is hateful to you, do not do to your neighbor. Mm-hmm. That is the whole Torah. The rest is explanation. Right. Um, now go and study. So I think these two teachings together point us really to the meaning and purpose of our lives, to treat our fellow human beings <clears throat> as we would wish to be treated, to be guardians of our world, and with God alongside us, co-creators in working towards a more just and equal world. So, Rabbi, so you would say that worshipping as much as we worship God within the specific um, method God has asked us to worship Him, but what you're saying is for us to um, help one another um, or, or help mankind is also a form of worship. Absolutely, absolutely. In fact, so in Judaism, we we are told to say blessings over almost any activity that we might engage in. Um, So blessings over food, over study, when seeing a rainbow or meeting a scholar, or even we even have a blessing to recite when we use the toilet. Um, Mm -hmm. But most very interestingly, we don't have a blessing um, for giving tzedakah, for giving charity. Mm -hmm. Um, Because Actually, it is such an important commandment that we shouldn't delay it or interrupt it with a blessing, that the act of giving charity, of giving staka itself is a blessing, itself is an act of worship. So I think living our lives um, in, in the way God wants us to live our lives, that in and of itself is already an act of worship. So what aspect of worshipping of God would you say is the highest form of love? Oh, what aspect of... I, I think it is how we treat each other, absolutely. I mm. think, I think um, that is what, what we are told. I mean, love is, love is a really important idea in, in the Jewish religion as well. One of our central prayers, right, the Shema Yisrael, begins with this, wonderful commandment to us you shall love the eternal one your God with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind mm-hmm. so love is a really important act but it is love for a purpose it is love so that we live up to um, the commandments that God gives us of how we should live our lives and um, prayer prayer in a sense is is that reminder of how we are to live our lives. But it's not really in and of itself um, kind of um, the be-all and end-all. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Rabbi, one final question. You were kind enough to 
to say that I pronounced your name correctly. <laughs> but there, there, I'm sure there is a correct version of how you pronounce it. And just for just for my, just for me, please, I have a request. How do you pronounce your surname? <laughs> so, so my surname is a German surname um, originally. So I pronounce it Mühlstein. Mühlstein. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wonderful. It's a complicated word. It is. It is. Well, Rabbi, <laughs> Rabbi Leah Mulstein, mm-hmm. I hope uh, I've, I've come closer than I did when I started. <laughs> yeah. um, thank you so much for taking time out this afternoon and coming on to the Drive Time Show. I wish you a fantastic uh, day ahead. May peace be with you. Peace be with you. Thank you. Thank you. Such similarities. I mean, Rabbi talked about the great, you know, the, the, to to that worshiping of God is not just. Yeah. Worshipping God itself, God, the being itself, but mm-hmm. um, you know, mercy, you know, to, to show. Well, what do we say? The Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of yeah. Allah be upon him, was a mercy to mankind. Right. right. So we follow that example of serving others. Mm-hmm. I mean, that shows that the source is same. Yes, the source is same, and the, the, the all teachings are coming from one, uh, uh, one creator, uh, which is our God. And uh, she also mentioned that. Uh, um, before uh, eating or before doing something, they they basically um, bless the thing. And in Islam, we also have we also practiced uh, uh, these kind of uh, uh, prayers. For example, before eating, we say Bismillah in the name of Allah. And uh, so, so many s- similarities, and uh, and that also shows that this is this the source is the same. Uh, you just have to um, follow, just have to worship, and. Through worship, you can improve yourself. Wonderful. Um, let's go to our final guest of the afternoon. We have got with us um, uh, the host of uh, Radio Ahmadiyya Canada, or I should say Voice of Islam in Canada. <laughs> we have with us uh, Brother Safi Rajput. Uh, good afternoon. Welcome. Assalamualaikum and peace be on you. Walaikum assalam. Good afternoon. Uh, thank you very much and peace and blessings. Of Allah be upon all of you from Toronto, Canada. Wonderful, um, brother Saviraj Pool. What 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 does it mean? Um, you know, how does God benefit from us worshiping Him? Uh, okay, that's a that's an interesting question. Actually, you know, God has clearly said that uh, uh, He says that Allah Samad that He doesn't need uh, anyone, uh, but. Uh, when you say how God is benefited, the answer is no, He is not benefited. The worship is for us, for human beings, because uh, God wanted to be recognized. And human beings are the ones who can recognize uh, God uh, from the attributes that He has. And while they recognize God through the attributes, then they can worship and uh, they can try to acquire the same attributes at, as God uh, has. So this is the meaning of worship for us. As far as God is concerned, he, he doesn't need our worship. Now, interesting you say that. So if he doesn't need our worship, why do we need to worship him? How does it benefit us? Yeah, that's that's the right question and a logical question as well. Uh, the first question wasn't wrong. Don't take me wrong. Um, <laughs> the thing is, yeah, the thing is that, you know, uh, it's uh, it's interesting. When one looks into his own life, there comes a question, is he created or is he, you know, alone at his own? Because when we see uh, across, we don't see anybody, any other species with the same intellect level. 
So that definitely raises a question in our mind that uh, why am I the way I am? Why am I uh, here? What's the purpose of my life? Why I'm spatial? Because uh, human beings know they are spatial. The level of intellect that they have, it's not the same as other species. So this basically leads to a question of uh, knowing that why uh, human beings need to worship. So looking at, you know, logically, we see that uh, all this universe that's created with uh, such precision, it needs to have a creator. And that's where the journey starts. And uh, there is also, during the line, uh, divine guidance that's provided by the creator himself. Uh, throughout the human life, there have been uh, people who we know as the ambassadors of God or the prophets or the messengers of God they tell us that God has created us with a purpose. Mm -hmm. And that purpose is fulfilled if we recognize Him. In order to recognize the Creator, we need to worship Him. Mm -hmm. Because worship creates a, a sense of humility, a sense of togetherness, a sense of progress, and a sense of curiosity as well. So all these senses, when are created, benefit human beings as an individual. And as a whole on the society level as well. Mm -hmm. uh, that's where uh, I would see it benefits us. Uh, that's where we start to realize that while we have some duties, we have some rights. So our duties are to our fellow men, our duties are to our creator, and we are kind of the custodians of the universe that's created. Mm -hmm. And in this respect, worship is the thing that benefits us the most okay. to create a harmonious society. Shafita, mm -hmm. in religious um, text, Safi, like, sorry, sorry, Safi, Safi, sorry, sorry yeah. about that. Uh, Safi, in religious texts, um, uh, for example, in Bible and in the in Holy Quran and other uh, religious texts, we find that uh, there are other, um, like say, uh, creation of God, like angels, and um, other creation as well, apart from us. So why then God created us? if he has already angels to to sub, to supplicate him or to pray uh, him? Perfect. That's a very good question as well. So the question, uh, I would ask uh, a question to you as well before answering this question. Mm -hmm. Do you really think that the universe means the earth only? No. Right? The answer is no, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's a vast universe. Uh, we still don't know how vast is the universe. It's a huge system that's created and that's being run. So we are still in the time where we have to explore scientifically that if there are more creatures, uh, if there is life other than Earth, this is the first answer. Mm -hmm. Second is that, uh, uh, you know, angels are what we know from the Holy Scriptures, that angels are programmed. Mm -hmm. They they have uh, what they have been taught or they have been written by God. They have their own tasks that they do, and they, uh, there is a delicate difference between angels and humans, mm -hmm. that angels don't have a free will kind of thing. Okay. I don't want to go into the detail of free will, mm -hmm. but human beings are given uh, both things to do. They can go and do worship and recognize God, but then there is an evil side of human beings too. Mm -hmm. And that uh, the whole uh, cause of religion, if you ask me, is that to curtail that evil will, to curtail that evil being in the human being and turn it to worship towards God. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, once this happens, then there is a spiritual progress that is associated with human beings only and not the angels. Okay. Human beings uh, go through an, a, a spiritual evolution. Mm-hmm. And that evolution takes them, you know, from being a normal human being to a person who is a godly human being. Mm-hmm. A godly human being is something that recognizes God and he can attain a level where he can have a direct communion with God as well. Uh, we have uh, known more than 100,000 people in the history who actually claim that God spoke to them okay. and they received revelations. So this progress is not uh, the way uh, that's in angels. Mm-hmm. Angels are more, uh, they are dedicated to their own task that they can do. Whereas human beings, the spiritual progress is limitless. Okay. So okay. that's that's where they are different. Okay. So just to simplify, you're saying that angels don't have the free will, and they are program program in a way that they just do what they're created uh, told them. And uh, um, on the other hand, humans have the free will; they can choose between the right path and the wrong path, and that is why um, they are um, given the reward after 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 the that is that right that's that's right that's okay. the base of the religion that after that there is an eternal life okay. and man will be rewarded according to his deeds okay so previously um uh, we were discussing about uh, that um, a man can worship uh, god not just uh, not just um through some kind of you know prayer you can also worship God through serving mankind. What's your take on that? Very interesting. Um, my take on that is that it is correct, 100% correct. Uh, looking at the religion, the the meaning of religion is path. Mm-hmm. It's actually it's the path during the journey. And if I take you back to the Holy Prophet of Islam, Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he has uh, once said, Abdinun Nasihatu. Right. It's a very small hadith, and the meaning of this hadith is that religion is nothing but welfare of, uh, of all, uh, all the beings. So the name of religion is welfare too, and this is given by uh, the founder of Islam, Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Mm-hmm. This tells us that a religion that actually doesn't take care of the uh, rights of others, not just humans, but rights of this whole universe actually is not religious. Mm-hmm. So the first sign, the first thing that religion tells you, like if you look at Islam, for mm-hmm. example, mm-hmm. what does Islam talk about uh, human rights, rights of animals, rights of uh, path, rights of uh, plants, rights of fields, right? All mm-hmm. these things have been given rights. Right. And Islam tells us that even... You know, you have two rights, rights of Allah, and then you have the rights for the human being. Mm-hmm. Even God is merciful. He can forgive his rights to human beings, but uh, the rights of humans or the rights of other things, uh, they will be answerable, and, and God alone cannot just forgive you for those sins. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what I think. I think religion is second name of welfare of the human being. Right, very well said. Our welfare of the whole universe, I would say, not just human beings. Very well said. So, um, the last question from, from my side uh, is, uh, what is the highest spiritual peak a man can achieve by worshipping God? 
Uh, okay, we have talked about it briefly too, but this is a very relevant question. Mm -hmm. uh, it ties back to the same question that we, we initiated with what's the purpose of human life on Earth? So there are two sides of it. One is the logical side and one is the divine guidance that we have been given. So according to the divine guidance, we have referred to the Holy Scriptures and I have read it uh, you know, in Torah too, in Bible and in the Holy Quran as well. One mm -hmm. same thing that human beings are created so that they can know their their creator, they can know their God, they can become, uh, they can know how to worship God. Right. So this is the sole purpose of being humans. Now, if I if I take this word that to worship God is something that's uh, the pinnacle of being a human, how would I know that I am worshiping God? Mm -hmm. This ties back to the uh, spiritual progress that one can have where he starts supplicating God and then he becomes a friendship with God because we know that through the uh, through the sayings of the Holy Prophet of Islam, Muhammad peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, that God loves his, uh, his men mm -hmm. when a person actually takes one step towards, towards God, mm -hmm. God takes ten steps towards him. When somebody walks towards God, God actually runs towards his human being. And when somebody runs, God actually flies to that human being. Mm -hmm. Secondly, the Holy Quran tells us that uh, the people who actually worship Allah, mm -hmm. God shows them his ways. means God guides those people towards their path. Now, if God is walking, running and flying and a human being, there has to be a meeting point of the two, right? right? So this is the pinnacle and height of spiritual progress that man actually can talk to God. Mm -hmm. And this can happen when man takes over or takes the attributes of God. Right. He, he becomes merciful, he becomes gracious, he becomes, you know, creator himself. So all these attributes God has shared with human beings. Mm -hmm. And if we if we follow these attributes, then we get the real uh, sense of worship, and this real sense of worship can result us having a direct communion with God, mm -hmm. and that's the purpose of uh, religion, as well. That's the purpose of me being a human as well. Right, brother Safi Rajput. As always, thank you so much for giving uh, comprehensive answers to our questions and and giving us time on the Drive Time Show this afternoon. Um, I wish you a fantastic day ahead. Uh, please remember us in your prayers. Um, peace be on Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Pleasure is all mine. This is a very good topic. Uh, thanks and keep up the good work. Thank you. And you. Thank you. Thank you. And that was uh, Safi Rajput, who is a who's a Canadian host, um, uh, you know, it's the it's, it's Voice of Islam Canada, yeah. or should I say it's road Radio Ahmadiyya uh, Canada. It's a, it's a radio station which is akin to mm -hmm. um, what we have uh, um, what we have here. I mean, <clears throat> interesting topic. I think it's a it's it's a topic that can be spoken about um, forever, yeah. um, because it's such a broad topic. Um, you know, worship. Um, irrespective of uh, uh, irrespective of what religion you follow mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, um you know one of the one of the the positive sides of of the pandemic was more and more people were were forced yeah. i would say forced um they didn't have a choice <laughs> they were they they 
they got to a point where they looked towards worldly means, they looked towards leaders, they looked towards uh, the bank balances, they looked <laughs> towards every th- possible thing that they could right. look towards and got no answers. Mm-hmm. And they got to a point where they had to look towards God. Right. So worship is something that increased over the pandemic um, period because people knew or people um, got to a point where they didn't have a choice but to believe that the only being that can help them in any way, shape and form is God. Absolutely right. We are coming up to the hour. So two minutes, all yours. What's your finishing, brother? Um, What's your conclusion for the hour? uh, The conclusion is... Um, so just to um, put a um, just a summary of of the topic is that uh, we worshipped our Creator uh, because we want to gain um, the spiritual benefit from it. It's not the God who can benefit from th- from our worship; it is us who benefit from the worship, whether it's the uh, whether. Um, someone belongs to any religion um, it is it is you who benefits from the worship and obviously the worship is not just praying there is there are two um, huge area of worship one is to um, to worship God and the other is to serve the creation of God and that's the I think summary of the whole of the religion um, uh, if we look t- towards the uh, religious text and uh, yeah, I think it just it summarizes up um, the topic. You have been listening to Drive Time with myself, Kayum, and 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 Imam, uh, Imran, uh, and uh, we have covered two interesting topics over the two hours. We spoke about homelessness in the first hour, and uh, we have been speaking about worship and the importance of worship. Um, and and uh, how it is uh, the only true means, the true tool um, that one needs to practice in order to uh, to truly link right. with God Almighty, your Creator. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope uh, you have been enjoying the show. Um, Got to say our um, gratitude to our producers, uh, Bria Nasser, uh, Hadia Hasib, and Zilehuma. Thank you for all the time um, you gave for producing today's show. Thank you to all of our guests for taking time out and comprehensively answering all of our questions. Thank you to you, Thank you. for listening. Thank you to Brother Imran. Thank, Thank you. you to Brother um, brother Habib yeah. in, in, in the tech, um, without whose help uh, we would never be able to speak to our guests. <laughs> and thank you to you for listening. Please forgive any shortcomings on our part. Please remember us in your prayers. Have a fantastic evening. Until we meet again, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Thank you.